When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. fast break and this is another version of the snack pack lakers fast break and my guest tonight is uh, mr joe sorrow and joe this snack pack we're going to be talking about the different scenarios that uh, are supposed to go down as of uh, sunday april 9th and it's sunday april 9th on the uh, east coast so we can talk about uh, what's going on today and quite frankly joe from the results of yesterday where the Clippers defeated the Trailblazers, the fifth seed has been chopped off for the Lakers. Lakers can go no higher than sixth and can go fall no lower than ninth. So with the uh, play against the Utah Jazz tomorrow, how do you see the scenario shaking out for the Lakers? I can see them winning tomorrow and then uh, Golden State's going to beat Portland. So the Lakers are probably going to end up in the seventh spot and playing New Orleans in a one-game clincher. That one is going to be an interesting uh, game. I'm pretty comfortable in feeling like they could win that game comfortably if they really focus, since that since at this point Zion's not coming back anytime soon. And then... Should they win that game, they solidify the seventh seed, which means they're going to play Memphis. A Memphis team that just found out today that Steven Adams is now out for the year. That's a pretty big blow. Will that matter? That's something I'm going to have to gauge probably after the New Orleans game. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know. It's easy to say that the Lakers could turn it on, and we've talked about this before, and you know they'll just kind of do their thing. But it, 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 if, if I'm stepping away from the Lakers side of things and just going by what I've seen as a normal observer, I don't see the Lakers getting past Memphis in the first round. I see them probably getting taken out in five or six. Why, you may ask? Probably because the Lakers just don't have the it factor this year uh it might have been too late getting the current roster together there's probably some mental burnout that's involved ad lebron to a degree and then the guys that are around them a lot of them are probably thinking more about some security that's coming up here this summer for them so that's probably weighing a little bit more on their futures versus what's going on right now and another huge factor is, is the fact that I don't know if the leadership in the coaching area is going to be something that we could benefit from. Uh, but what we will do is we will find out if, 
front and center how good and how or how bad that part of the game will be. I mean, we've seen some pretty average stuff this year, but we've also looked at it as, well, there's been so much turnaround. There's been so much flip-flopping on the starting lineups. There's been an overhaul in roster. But those are just excuses. You know, there, there are plays during games where those things shouldn't factor into any of this. You don't need to be playing 50 games in a row with the same starting lineup to make better decisions. So I'm I'm going to be curious to see, should should that part, which is the leadership at the on the bench, should that deterior, deteriorate worse? Where do the Lakers sit this summer in – figuring out if that's something that they can go into next year with. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. It will be interesting. And I have to say, I kind of, I pretty much echo everything you just said about the, what's probably likely going to happen with the Lakers or likely going to be the jazz. Uh, the jazz basically uh, kind of played their last game, real game of the regular season. They, the, uh, they won. They defeated the uh, the Kings again. So it looks like uh, they're going to wave the white flag for uh, tomorrow and just sit pretty much all their uh, all their big guns. Um, as far as Memphis is concerned, Joe, I'm with you. I think unless there's you know a crazy bounce here, there a crazy shot. I think yeah, I think Memphis would probably dip us in about six. I think we could probably extend it to seven, but that would mean you're playing a road game in a game seven in the NBA. And we all know the statistics there. It's you're likely you're around 83% chance of losing that game because home teams just have a monstrously uh, skewed record with uh, home games, especially game sevens uh, in the playoffs. But, you know, it's kind of ironic, man. Jonas Valanciunas and Steven Adams were traded for one another. If somehow New Orleans ended up in the seventh seed, New Orleans matches up really well against them. So I'm just going to put it out there. I think you're right. The Lakers would probably get popped in six. I think New Orleans could beat Memphis in a seven-game series personally. I, I think they've got enough shooting to uh, potentially uh, stem Jaw and uh, Triple J. But like you said, they're the favorites for a reason, so they're probably going to eventually advance to the second round. Uh, other scenarios that could take place, Joe, is if the Lakers lose. If the Lakers lose, uh, there's a potential uh, problem where they end up as the ninth seed, and they end up hosting likely the Oklahoma City Thunder for the second play-in. So if the Lakers ended up in the ninth seed, how do you see that playing out? If they lose to New Orleans, there's a very big possibility they'll lose to Oklahoma City. That's a reality. At this point, yeah, at this point, okay. yeah, at, yeah, exactly. Sorry. At this point, it actually might be better for the Lakers to play Denver than Memphis. They've had Denver's number even when Denver was playing well. So this is a really weird dynamic here. You know, do you you have to play to win, but you might have a better matchup playing against Denver. But I don't know. I don't see it. This doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen in the NBA. You don't see teams, especially in the first round, 
it's very rare that they get bounced by a team that's just never really had it for an entire year. The um, only real exception has been uh, when the Warriors popped that Dallas team that won 61 games. But again, we talk about how in the playoffs, coaching is just as significant or more so than any any other X factor. And you had Don Nelson against Avery Johnson. And my goodness, that is just, that's lambs to the slaughter right there. So it, it just depends. Like you said, Joe, if Ham gets into a seven-game series, somebody's somebody's gonna find a way to uh, punk him. Yeah, and if yeah, even if you were to go to a seven game and win, let's say, you know, you're the amount of stress for a team that's got a 38-year-old LeBron James and a delicate Anthony Davis, even though he's been pretty pretty good this last month and a half, it's 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 you're going into the next series pretty much dead. So they're 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 They've just, they're not set up. The team is not set up to play consistent, focused basketball because they're just not consistent and focused. If LeBron James continues to play next year and the following year, then you're going to have to have some kind of, and that's why the discussions about Kyrie Irving are still lingering. It's because a lot of it is tied to that's you need you need almost those guys to cancel each other out. If they're if this guy's not playing, you have Kyrie, and vice versa. AD you're, to me, you're, you're still in a position to where he's still young and should be available to play at least seventy games a year. But you know we've we've, we've not been able to do that here this last last couple of years. And then the supporting cast. How do you have a supporting cast? Then if you have a a, a third star that's making you know thirty forty million, it's the NBA is making it very difficult for these teams to to stockpile. So the Lakers have to somehow find a way to have a third star by committee every game, no matter what, that can cover LeBron for 19 minutes. Yeah, 19 minutes. Like mm-hmm. I still, I'm still going to stick to that. 29, 29 minutes a game number. I remember it because Popovich had Tim Duncan playing 29 minutes in all of 2014. And that was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen in the NBA. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. He kept a large part of that team to like really under 35, all of them. Yeah, you're right, Joe. Manu, uh, Tony Parker, uh, they, they were all at a, at a cap, a minute cap. And you know we, we've all we've all seen it. Like we all know LeBron likely should have been on a minute cap um, the second he was uh, diagnosed with that groin injury. Um, you know, certain certain factors, certain circumstances have had to lead him to basically having to play 39 minutes a game, score 35 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, and, and try and keep us in a game. So. Like, uh, and we said it, look, we said it all year and people have been on us about you're too negative, right? You're too negative on this team. You guys are way too negative. I don't think we are. I disagree vehemently and ardently. We are not hard on this team. We see what we see and we say what we say. 
say what you say. So we're standing by it. Look, we all agreed that a lot of the trades that were made were decent trades. They were pretty good trades. They were probably going to lead to a better record. So since the trade deadline has happened, Joe, they wanted to win 16 games. Guess what? They've won 16 games so far. They've been 16 and 7 since the trade deadline. So to me, I think they have to figure out which which guys, which core players they want to keep and, and what do they need to build around the rest of them. Because to me, a decision needs to be made. Would you, would you bring back Rui at this point, Joe, for the money he wants? He wants, what, $10 million? You think he's worth $10 million, Joe? If you have Rui with some consistency, which he's had this last few weeks, making mid mid uh, mid range jumpers, being a big body and hitting threes, absolutely, ten million is a, is a bargain to me. I would love to see this team, and I know it's not possible. I would have loved to have seen this team run it for a year. I believe there's a lot of good talent that can, good role players that can cover a lot of ground. But I just don't, you know, even guys like a, a, a Mo Bamba, you know, I think we've we've been kind of, un, I think we've been a little bit harsh on him in, in terms of his ability. You're talking about a guy that we understand he has a motor issue. We understand that he's deficient in certain things. But, he, he you know, a guy that big should be used. I mean, we, we use JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee used to always, you know, he was Shaq the full number one every week, right? But you watch him play in 2020, he he was coached well, and he was used perfectly, and he was effective, and he understood his role, and he never complained, and he was an asset. And we're so quick to kill people, right? To me, someone like Mo Bamba, you can get him at a bargain and then coach him in a way where he's effective. You cannot tell me you cannot use a young guy who's seven feet tall who's got a wingspan from New York to L.A. and can hit a three every now and then, you, you can't tell me you can't use that somewhere in for 10 to 12 minutes. This is what we need to be thinking about. You need to be putting together this next team and hopefully get lucky in the draft and draft someone who can show some things right away. That's another thing that we can't forget. We are going to have a good draft pick in the teens, regardless. So you have that ability now. You have that that option that you can go to as well. Make next year's team vital to winning, vital to depth, vital to making sure that the rotations make sense. You know, Beasley's another guy that we're, we're killing. Okay? He's another guy too. You know, what's his role? What is the coach doing to put him in the right position? Well, Joe, he's missing wide open shots. Well, Joe, he's doing... Yes, I understand he's missing wide open shots, but there's no rhythm. There's no, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no uh, systematic setup every game, game in and game out. No. A guy of that ability needs to have uh, plays run for him where he knows, all right, I'm going to get this five to six times a day. I'm sorry, five to six times a game. And if he hits two or three of them, perfect. That's what you want. Consistency. That's what the job of the coach is. We're going to create consistent options. Not only, and you're, you're talking about LeBron James, people. You're talking about AD. The, the one thing you cannot deny 
LeBron James and AD is they don't sabotage the team with their bullshit. Okay. AD's not telling everybody, give me the damn ball. Give me the damn ball. It's very equal opportunity. He understands it. He gets his. He does his thing. LeBron, pass first guy. Take advantage of these things. Use Vanderbilt in defensive positions that matter. Use Beasley in offensive positions that matter. These are role players. I'm sorry, folks. They are not stars. Even D'Angelo Russell, he's like a two and a half star. Okay? It's not a three. He could be, but... You know, we don't know why he's not. Maybe he will be. Maybe he will be next year. Maybe when he, he will be when he knows he's got 30 mil coming for the next four or five years. I don't know. But he has assets. He has a, a, a talent that is conducive to this kind of team. So we're, we're getting to that point where we need to start kind of rolling with what might be for next time. And, and, and we've talked about that a little bit, even since the trade deadline, that a lot of those those acquisitions were for next year. But we also want to get some kind of momentum going into the offseason and making sure that you don't do these kind of transactions and all of a sudden let them go, you know, lose guys that, that, that actually could have been assets for you next year. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. You know, Joe, good on the NBA for scheduling all the games at the same time so we don't have to go through the inevitable scoreboard watching and we're going to take take these guys out. We're going to try and manipulate the scoreboard so we can manipulate the seedings. They, they kind of, they saw through the, uh, the looking glass there a few years ago when the Spurs and the Clippers and the Thunder were all trying to pull this, this garbage. And the one real big game tomorrow where it's all hands on deck and everyone's healthy is the Wolves and the Pelicans drill. And they're, if, things go down the way we think they're going to go down the lakers will be seventh so who do you see winning that game because it should be noted it's important it's in minneapolis the pelicans are on the road so who do you think wins that game and who do you think our potential opponent is that's a pick'em game my instincts tell me pelicans but it's a pick'em game i don't know who the hell's going to win that game I guess if Portland Portland played pretty competitively tonight. So Yeah, they did. You know, there's always that room for something weird happening. I remember last year the Jaguars were supposed to lose to the Indianapolis Colts. They didn't. 
and the Steelers ended up getting the last playoff spot. So I guess we can wait till tomorrow to, to figure out what's going on. But the likelihood is that Golden State will win tomorrow. The Lakers will win and Pelicans are probably going to win. And then we're going to get set with what we think is going to happen at that point. Uh, Lakers will play the Pelicans. And I think I think the Lakers can put enough together to win that game and, and solidify the seventh seed and play Memphis in the first round. And then, you know, we'll, we'll play valiantly and then get bowed out after probably five or six. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably the like likeliest scenario and probability that's that's on the table right now. Again, though, Joe did bring up uh, did bring up a very um, a prudent and kind of like put it in the food for thought category is that if the Lakers do lose in a potential play-in game. Uh, and they have to play the Thunder for the eighth seed and the ninth and tenth. Joe's right. There may be a scenario where it's more advantageous for the Lakers to end up with uh, an opponent like the Nuggets versus the Grizzlies. Of all of all the teams right now, like if you were going to rank Popham, like which teams in each conference are likeliest to be popped? Denver and Boston are probably at the top of the list because the Lakers are a bad matchup for Denver. And if the Heat likely win their playing game against the Hawks, they're a bad opponent for the Celtics. So to me, those two teams are at the top of the pop list, Joe. Yeah, uh, the East is going to probably be a little bit more entertaining, especially towards the end of their conference run you're going to see you're going to see boston have to beat philly and milwaukee i don't think anyone is going to get out of i don't think anyone below five is going to get, have any shot this is probably going to go one two three four that's another thing i haven't been thinking about lately too the celtics we took care of the pelican thing when i have to worry about that draft swap there lakers got some talent here that they could probably go into the summer with and sign some of these guys the last thing is we have to we gotta pray that the Celtics don't make a run. That's just one of those things that are just gnawing at your your ear and your head and your mind. Once that's done, I think this year becomes even more of a relief <laughs> that you don't have to worry about that. Because if they win the title, we're effed. We're so effed. They this are. Is gonna, we're, we're, this is going to be another five, ten years before we catch up to them or past them. Sorry, past them. Yeah, you know what, Adam? That's that's a fair point. You know, a lot of a, a lot of uh, and analysts have said that uh, anybody from from the top seven or eight in the West could potentially uh, come out, but every team is flawed, top to bottom. Like every team is flawed from one one to potentially eight. So it needs to be said. It's that's why a lot of people are, are saying it's the the wild wild West again because it's wide open, and you know. A typical, like fascia rupture injury, usually takes months, not weeks, months, to uh, recuperate and eventually repair and uh, go back to uh, normal function. But he came back in five weeks because he smells blood. A, a lot of people think that, you know, when LeBron came to LA, you know, he's going to Hollywood. He doesn't really care about championships anymore. He doesn't really care about having known as a, a winner or a winning legacy. And I kind of, I like, 
I really wanted to laugh in people's faces when they said that. But there was a part of me that thought, well, you know, that could potentially be true just on the surface, just on the optics of it. But I, I don't think that was the case at all, Joe. I, I, I don't think he's looking to just coast right now. If he was looking to coast, he would have had that surgery and just been done. I'm just going to, all right, I'm out. I'll see you next. We'll try again next year. He didn't have that attitude, brother. No, I think he has a general love for basketball, and he he, he smells pro- blood in the water. He if he didn't think, I know we're we're kind of thinking, yeah, if they play Memphis, they're probably losing in five or six. I don't think he's got that mentality at all. I think he he thinks they can roll through. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I haven't talked about it though. LeBron can be his own worst enemy sometimes. But when you're looking at it from a basketball operational standpoint, I don't feel like most of the teams that LeBron has been a part of have really constructed the team to LeBron's perfect setup. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, can, you can look at Miami's run as probably the one time he might have had it. I don't believe that was the case. Uh, you had three max contracts at the time, and then you had a bunch of guys making, you know, whatever. Uh, it's difficult. It was difficult to do that for many reasons, right? Uh, maybe I can't blame Pat Riley for how it played out. They went to, you know, the finals all four years. But, see, I don't look at final appearances, especially in a, in a conference that was weak as the East has been. I don't look at those as anything, guys. I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, I'll mention it. Hey, Kobe went to seven finals. Magic went to nine. But five and five is all I, it's all that matters, guys. It doesn't matter if you went to the finals. So 2020 felt like that was the first team that I felt like, man, this team was really constructed perfectly for AD. You had guys that could play defense. You had guys that had some length. You had some youth. You had AD, who is a freak. He's a freak basketball player. Okay, he's eight. He's he's he, at the time at that that year he was KG with a three point shot. Um, matter of fact, I think he's a better defensive player than KG when he's engaged. Because uh, I just right, you're you're watching him move his feet. I'm just like, dude, what? This guy's unreal when he's on. So it's a bummer that AD got hurt and and in 21. Because I I believe that we would have we would have went back to back. Uh, Gerald has argued a little bit with me on that one, saying that the Bucks were really good that year. I said, yeah, they might have been good, but uh, they don't beat AD and LeBron when they're on, and especially with the guys that we had around that team. So it's it's just a lost opportunity. It seems like it feels like with with all this stuff, it's always a lost opportunity, and it's always something that's coaching related it's always some injury related and we've had you know emails from people who watch our show and some and if you guys are watching and you know who you are you know guys i respect your analysis but at the end of the day guys i was talking about this with sean if you're gonna act weak and prepare to be weak you will be weak i'm not gonna buy that i'm not gonna buy well the game's changed and the game's doing this and that i go no if you're talking about operationally or execution-wise, you know, money ball type stuff, fine. I get that part. But there is no excuse 
for a top tier athlete who is in his best shape in his life, who is in his mid twenties, that should not be available when he's not injured. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm never going to buy it because here's the result guys. I'm in the results business. So when someone tells me what I do for a living, I tell them I'm in the results business. They'll giggle. They'll laugh. I'm like, that's exactly what I do. I'm a problem solver. Problem solving creates results. If you're going to sit there and tell me that this method that you guys keep preaching about is the way to go, then why are the Lakers likely going to get bounced in the first round? Your method doesn't work. You know what works? Continuity. Chemistry. Consistency. That's what works. You're not going to convince me otherwise. You know why? Because it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And the results are right here. We're proud about some team being two games above 500 with a team that has LeBron James and AD on it. I don't care if LeBron's 38. LeBron averaging almost 30 points a game, guys. He's still playing well. you got good talent around him. So your way, your BS, telling me, insulting my intelligence, telling me that, hey, back-to-back, hey, this and that, hey, this and that. Well, what's the result of that? All this resting and sitting down when you shouldn't have. What? You're still losing. You're losing because there's no continuity. So tell me otherwise. Tell me what else would work. Okay. Oh, it'll happen next year, right? Is that what you're going to tell me? Oh, they'll do it. They need to do it next year. It'll work next year. Kind of reminds me with politics and people that have ideas of politics and how society can get better. Yet you have a billion-year history of why this won't work. But you keep saying, no, 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 it will work this time. It doesn't work. Okay? It doesn't work. A guy who's making $40 million a year, who is scheduled to play 82 games a year and only plays 54, what the, what the hell? Yeah. What you, I mean, what, what, what? You don't compute, guys. It don't. Sorry. It doesn't. And here's the result. It's not me. I didn't do anything. I'm an observer. You tell me what I'm watching is different than what it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Nobody can. No. Nobody can. They'd be deluding themselves and uh, making a mockery of, of rational, lucid thinking. You, if you come to me and you're like, Joe, we're going to sit LeBron for 20 games during the year. And you go 15 and five when you do that. You think I'm going to complain? No. No. As long as you win, I don't care. But you're not winning. So I'm going to go back to the basics. Where the hell are you? Play. You just won five games in a row and you sit. Why sit for the Charlotte game when you've won 12? Okay. You know, again, there's, we were talking about this before we got on the show. There are exceptions to the rule. I get it. But there were no exceptions to the rule this year, guys. And the results said so. So if you guys are worried about people getting injured, then you know what? Maybe you should not be playing if you're worried about getting injured every five minutes. It just, you know, this, and it's it's it, it's an attitude in general. It's nothing to do with the conversation, although that's where it's steered to. It has nothing to do with the panelists here or any of our colleagues on Lakers Fest Break. But there's this 
again, Joe, there's, like you said, there's just this general attitude somehow that we're supposed to ignore all the bad stuff and just focus on what's positive. And we've been known to give people flowers when they deserve it. But exactly, since the trade deadline, they've gone 16 to 7, even with D'Lo sitting out this and that and the abomination that was the Houston game. So looking forward, this team does project over 82 games to be uh, you know, 50 win plus. So they're likely to bring some of the band back together. But like you said, you can never bring the same team back together ever. It never happens. It never happens in sports. Guys retire. Guys are released. Guys sign elsewhere. Guys are traded. There is You never have the same team twice. So this is the team that we have rolling into a possible Viper's Nest. In, in Memphis, if they win. I think they still have a decent shot in that series with the, the absence of Steven Adams. I think Adams, in particular, against the Lakers, uh, they need him. Because I think one of the two problems that Triple J runs into is either he's not available for a game or he has foul trouble. And... Similar to Jokic, uh, Joe, for some reason, Anthony Davis is, is able to uh, slyly and intelligently be able to get people who are foul-prone in foul trouble. So to me, it it lends more to them having a – I give them a puncher shot against Memphis. I think if they don't get uh, don't get blown out in, in the first two games, I think it's – it's there's a potential you can make it a six or a seven game series. Well, to, to answer Richard's uh, comment, uh, the trade was pulled off late because that's that's when those guys were really available. Uh, the other teams play a factor in when the deal is going to be made. I don't think those guys would have been available two weeks or even a week before the trade deadline was coming. So I can't blame Rob and Jeannie for not making it for for making a deal too late it's just that's there's just no way that those players would have been available in january versus february however they have this coming off season where they're going to have to figure out was Rui worth playing or i'm sorry was Rui worth three second round picks to only have them for two months was was vanderbilt getting vanderbilt beasley and d'angelo russell worth getting if you're not going to retain them you got rid of Patrick Beverly for Mo Bamba. You lose Mo Bamba, okay. You got rid of Patrick, but you didn't really lose anything. So that's going to be the questions there. And what will you do in an area that you guys have? The team has actually done real well in drafting, drafting late and building players from the G League and the two-way contracts and creating a player that's valuable like an Austin Reeves and a uh, uh, Alex Caruso. This is very encouraging if you're going to bring one guy that's unsung and undrafted and having him be a huge part of the team. Let's give them credit there. They have been really good there. The only issue is they let him go. <laughs> they let one of their staples go when you shouldn't. So 
we're, we're going to have to judge this team really in the offseason at first and then wait for what happens next year. Problem is that gives you another year of LeBron, right? Going yeah, and and I know I know a lot of people love to, uh, um, you know, especially with sports and especially with history, try and kind of conflate or adjudicate one situation with another. You know, when the Rockets won their second championship, they acquired Clyde Drexler, but cry they didn't acquire the Clyde Drexler that Drexler was in. 1990 he was older and they needed to accommodate the inevitable chemistry issue that was going to uh, befall them so joe they won a lot of games early on and they were able to stem the tide of trying to incorporate drexler into the lineup because they essentially played basically 500 for the last 30 games and so they lived with the fact that they were six seed they beat four 50 plus win teams to win a title. And they were down 3 1 with one of those teams, Phoenix. Yes, yes. They beat Phoenix, they beat Utah, they beat San Antonio. And then they went on and swept the Orlando Magic in the finals. I would love if the Lakers became a sixth or a seventh or the first seventh seed to do something like that. It's just the chemistry issues are very different than what they were back then. The game is different as well. The way it's played is different. Now, Polinka did a great job, an astute job, of finding players to incorporate and put around LeBron and AD who actually fit into the modern game. But, you know, we kind of said it, you know, the surgery, we thought the surgery was successful, but the patient's still going to die. I, 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 and I'm not being negative about the the entire situation because I thought that the, the trades, again, to reiterate, were good. We all thought the trades were good. If you go back, like it's all on the tape. We all had basically positive vibes for the moves that were made. We're just thinking to ourselves, well, there's less than 25 games left. How well can they do? Well, they did almost as well as you – could think it was a it was above my expectations that's for sure they wanted to win 16 games post trade deadline they won 16 games they could win their 17th tomorrow but again joe like you said the summer will will tell the tale of the tape and we'll close the show with uh, any final thoughts on tomorrow joe what uh, what do you want uh, lakers fast break to take away from uh, tomorrow's results well happy easter to everyone tomorrow Eat well, be safe, and try not to do any predictions anymore. But I, f- I feel the Lakers will win tomorrow and seal the seventh seed and play New Orleans in the play-in and hopefully win that game so that they can just start focusing on playing uh, Memphis in a seven-game series. 100%. Happy Easter to everybody. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say happy Passover to all our uh... – Jewish friends out there, and uh, happy Ramadan to uh, all our Muslim friends as well. So with that, Snack Pack edition of the Lakers Fast Break will end. Go Lakers! Hopefully uh, they get a win tomorrow and get some help, and they end up in the sixth spot. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. 
Drop by tomorrow for the post game on the Lakers Fast Break Network.